Oh yeah, you know what time it is. Breaking the doors. <laughs> oh, it's the fact that he experiences this fact daddy in his current corporeal form vocalizing electricity into words which on occasion do not truly convey the essence and nature of the discourse that I am attempting to communicate but so be it fuck it right uh, this particular mumbling rant uh, will be in regards to a show called Arafaretta from Commonplace to the World's Strongest. And it's about Hajime Nagumo, who is the protagonist. And he, along with his other classmates, were summoned to a world by the god Heat. And they go into these labyrinths. And, uh, you're initially not told why over the course of time you're let in on the nature of the labyrinths, but basically um, these summoned heroes go into these labyrinths to uh, get experience and get power-ups and uh, hopefully be prepared to defend the world against whatever monstrosities are unleashed upon it. Um, it's pretty much a world set up where there were conflicts between the three major races of living beings, humans, demons, and beast people, or beast men. Anyway, <clears throat> so this poor bastard uh, gets kicked into an ugly situation. Basically, they go into one of these labyrinths, and one of the other students, Kaori, who likes Hajime, uh, happens to ignore the feelings of another student, uh, Hiyama, and Hiyama basically sabotages this guy when they're fighting some sort of crazy-ass monster, and he falls off the bridge, no, and then he screwed. Um, pretty much... Uh, one of the first things that happens to him is he sees a fight between these monsters and like one of the rabbit and the rabbit's kicking ass and he's like wow and then there's a bigger monster just fucks the rabbit up and then basically the bigger monster tears his fucking arm off and eats it lovely um <laughs> so he loses his arm in that monster fight and then uh he uses his transmuting ability, that's his ability to transmute things. Um, that means he can alter certain things. In this particular instance, you see him digging a hole with his transmutability to avoid being devoured by the monster who just ate his arm in front Initially, he panics and freaks out and is utterly and totally despondent and miserable, and then he accepts the fact that no one is going to come and save him. His new name is Patty LaBelle, and he's on his own. And yes, I'm that fucking corny. I don't care. <laughs> anyway, so Mr. LaBelle, a.k.a. Nagumo, uh, finds himself in this predicament, and then, you know, he starts to get the hang of things, and, you know, he 
trick some monsters into a pit, murders them, eats them, and uh, doesn't really go that well for him. He was about to die, but he happened to, you know, when he dug that hole, he dug it into a small cave where above him is crystallized mana. So it's basically like the crystallized magic uh, that takes the form of water. And uh, when the crystal is like melting, it drips water. And there's a puddle of water, this magical holy water. And he drinks it, and it keeps him alive. And uh, his hair goes white because the monster meat should have killed him, but instead it just turned his hair a different color. And then, uh, <laughs> he, he gets revenge on the monster that kicked his ass and ate his arm, and then he fucks that guy up. And he, one of the first things he does is tear his arm off, and eats it. And then he starts, uh, gaining abilities from each monster that he kills. And, um, I'm really sorry about the microphone shit. Anyone listening? I suck with, with, uh, with this thing. I mean, it's a thousand times better than what I was previously using, which was just a little circle. And, like you just connect it, and it's a little circle. But anyway, I digress, as per usual. Anyway, so after he gets his vengeance and obtain all you know all these powers all these powers he uh, he goes 50 levels down comes to a stone door uh, these two big ass one-eyed monsters trying to kill him um, he kills the monsters takes the mana stones from them mana again is like the magic shit uses them to open up uh, what was you know open the door then and you know reveals the princess Yue, the vampire princess Yue. Uh, although he doesn't want to, he transmutes her from her prison, and uh, she gets her name from him. She, whatever her previous name was, she she forsook it and had him name her, and he named her Yue after the moon because of her blonde hair and red eyes. So. There you have that. Of course, that partnership is huge because while he becomes very talented through his um, killing and eating of monsters um, and utilizing his transmutability to create weapons, which was actually really cool, um, now he has a partner. So she has a lot of power. He has power. They'll power through the labyrinth together. And the odd thing about the labyrinth is it's like multi-layered. It has like many floors and then there's other labyrinths. I'll get to it eventually. Anyway, so the labyrinths were created by these guys called the Mavericks. And the Mavericks were supposedly against the gods, such as like the heat. Um, but ultimately that proved to be false. But I, I'll get to that. Anyway. So, um, they, they go together and they continue going through these labyrinths and then they encounter this gigantic magic crab 
they take an ore from its corpse and then they uh, destroy an evil flower monster who grows flowers on its head. Or specifically, it grows flowers on the heads of its enemies to control them. So they try to make the two of them fight, but uh, Nagumo's poison resistance is like too high. Then he, uh, kills a bunch of stuff again with her help. And, you know, they get to the, the big boss of this particular labyrinth, Oscar Orcus. Now, Oscar's technically dead, and he was also a maverick. And the reason why the mavericks are maverick is because they, uh, they knew the truth of the world, and they chose to fight against it. And, uh, that particular truth was that the gods were just manipulating the three races for their own personal reasons, nothing more. There was no real cause. It was just literally for entertainment purposes that they let people suffer and die, that type of shit. Um, you see his crappy classmates who basically, you know, left him behind mostly, but not by choice, but that one guy set him up. So, um, he goes and he has this big battle and he gets to Orcus, Oscar Orcus, the Maverick, and, uh, as part of his thing, uh, Oscar gives Hajime his powers. Now, it's not like... It could have been anybody. Whoever cracked the labyrinth got in there. They would have got the powers. And uh, it happened to be Hajime Nagumo. So he's the one who got the powers. So, you know, now he's leveled up. He creates even cooler shit. Cars, motorcycles, all kinds of crazy shit. Um, and now he knows that for every labyrinth that he conquers, he can obtain more of the Maverick's power. And the Mavericks are kind of like the, the servants of the gods who betrayed the gods. Anyway, um, they go, you know, they approach a fall-covered sea of trees, and um, with the help of Shia, who's a rabid beastman, um, and she can see multiple futures. And uh, eventually she joins the group not easily. They treated her awkwardly. Uh, she's rambunctious and fun. Just a point of view. Um, then they, uh, you know, they get to the great tree. It's an entrance to another labyrinth, but they don't have the right objects to enter it. So they have to go to another labyrinth. And the labyrinth they go to is the Maledi Ryzen Labyrinth. Where they have to defeat a mega robot Melody Ryzen. Um, and at this particular launch, they obtain uh, gravity magic. Um, but the thing is, like, when you're, you know, when you're first getting into the show, it took them forever to get through that one labyrinth. But that this labyrinth, uh, it was a lot shorter. And uh, apparently, in the Light novel, they go into more detail, obviously. It's a novel. Um, and I think they might even go into more detail in the, the manga adaptation of the light novels. But 
for the purposes of anime, which depending on the anime, sometimes they stay 100% true to the source material, and sometimes they deviate from it based on budgets and other fucking reasons, because it is a business, but whatever. I didn't know that. Uh, I only found out some of that stuff after I grew more interested in the story, because I really liked the animation. I did kind of feel just slightly gypped, because I wanted to see more of it, you know, or what the fuck was going on with the labyrinth, but I kind of get it too. Still a good episode. Um, so yeah, he uh, gets that awesome magic, and uh, Maledi Rising says that in the future he'll be uh, Hajime will become the God Killer. So obviously, if you know the gods are fucking with everyone, um, then him becoming the God Killer is like you know setting up you know what's to come, which is him going head to head. Possibly with the heat and the one who summoned him, which would be sweet. Anyway, um, he gets that, comes out of there, out of that labyrinth, um, gets a request from the head of an adventurer's guild um, to save a count son in a mountain area. Then he runs into his old teacher and classmates, which is hilarious. Uh, eventually, he has to go to the mountains and he, uh, Discovers one of the sources of trouble is a dragonborn who, after he defeats it, uh, decides to join him. I say it because when it's a dragon, it's a it, but when it's a, in its human form, it's a she. And it was being controlled by, of course, one of Hajime's old classmates. And he kills the motherfucker and makes the dragonborn part of his group. So that was that was kind of cool. Um, not because I advocate killing characters, but you know, sometimes when you leave an adversary alive, it doesn't work out for you. And sometimes it does. It's a, you know, catch 22 scenario. But in this instance, Hajime did a whole bunch to survive, and the biggest thing that he did was he was into this I'll get rid of whatever's in my way. You know, I lost a fucking arm, everyone abandoned me. I'm taking shit down. So he stuck to his new mentality, which I can't help but respect. Anyway, the guy's name was Shimizu, and he got bucked down by our, our protagonist. And again, um, basically the gods of the world were just using humans and demons and beastmen as pawns in war games for their own personal amusement. And the liberators or mavericks were turned against um, by the church. So, you know, it's a little political. Uh, some of them were killed, and the remaining members uh, created labyrinths, and whoever overcame said labyrinth received their ancient magic. So, um, might be cool. Dude might end up, you know, killing the douchebag who summon him to this awful world and uh some of the cgi is kind of shitty um i don't really give a fuck about that i mean sometimes you gotta use it and uh whatever um but i really fucking enjoyed this show i described the shit quickly but the facts are simple this guy kicks ass him transmuting stuff and making his own weapons and vehicles and 
killing all these different animals and then like literally getting their abilities and then uh, I mean he levels up uh, in an incredible way and, and it's like an isekai thing the whole leveling up it, it turns out pretty cool uh, there's several things that you know like leveling up like you know that time I was reincarnated as a slime he levels up ridiculously it's fucking super cool um, I just read uh, this manga called Solo Leveling. Um, I don't know how much this guy levels up, but I suspect it's going to be pretty intense. Uh, it's incredibly well drawn. Really cool character. Um, it had an excellent pace to it. Like I enjoyed reading it. A lot. You know, I was immersed in it. It was, uh, it was a really good fun experience it's called solo leveling if you haven't heard of it or if you read that type of stuff um, I have come across some decent literature um, Clara and the Sun was a, a pretty decent read for me um, felt a tremendous amount of empathy for Clara who's quote-unquote an artificial friend that was a pretty good book uh, I also enjoyed the queen's gambit i have not watched the show i intend to watch the show i have read the novel it had a really nice pacing to it like crispy writing i could get into the story i could get into chess um it was definitely interesting i don't have like a whole slew of or litany of things to say about it um the best book i've read thus far though this particular year the Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Um, it's incredible. Uh, Addie's journey into a seemingly immortal life through invoking uh, the gods who should not be spoken to after dark. Uh, in, in France in the 1600s, though. You know, it's it, it, it reminded me when I first time I read uh, Anne Rice, particularly the vampire was that, um, where you're just like, okay, I'm in a you know a different zone here. The writer is the writer's in control, the rhythm, the pacing. Uh, the author's name is B. Schwab. Um, this book is incredible. It takes you to Italy and you know, to France and during World War One or Two or both I should say and New York City and you know, modern times and, you know uh, Addie's condition through the invoking of uh, the evening overlords um, is remarkable and crazy and uh, it's just worth reading uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to make this into some Netflix show or something, but um, it would deserve like, you know, either seven episodes that are one hour long of some series. That would be a good way to give it the proper respect and don't deviate from the novel at all. Just flicker back and forth just like she does through the centuries. Anyway, great fucking book. Um, I read another book from this author, The Near Witch, and you know, you could see how 
all the labor she's put between her first book and her latest book is fucking super well worth it because Invisible Life is actually genius level writing, my opinion. Um, it's all a Mortal Kombat movie. Don't care if people hate Cole. Don't really. It was fucked up, and that's why I liked it. It's just that simple. I'm just that petty. Um, playing it back in the day, you know, with the decapitations and all that shit, like, you know, it's far more commonplace now to see uh, those levels of violence in the game, but uh, it wasn't then, and uh, that was kind of the draw. <laughs> you know, I could punch your head off. <laughs> and, uh,. You know, the movie in that regard was far more gory and, and violent than uh, its 90s counterpart, which, you know, I enjoyed in a campy, cheap way. Anyway, I enjoyed it. Um, it's not a perfect adaptation of any of the myriad timelines or lore. It's a cinematic derivation that doesn't suck as bad as Mortal Kombat 2 and never could and I feel is a a better contemporary adaptation <coughs> again just my opinion you know if you're looking for 2001 a space odyssey or some other shit then uh it's, it's not what it's about it's just about being entertained pure and simple oh uh Kano is the shit he's an asshole but he's fucking hilarious like seriously hilarious um also saw the Demon Slayer Mugen Train film. Uh, gotta say, it's fucking awesome. Uh, granted, people are talking about it, you know, making more money or whatever than Spirited Away. It's not that. This isn't even that type of film. It's more like the second season of Demon Slayer because it literally follows the manga, like roughly volume seven and eight. Um. But I love the animation, you know, UFO Table does a great job, Paniplex, and all, all the people involved. It's a great story, it's sad, but, you know, funny, all elements are there. Cool seeing it on the big screen. Looking forward to uh, the official second season of Demon Slayer. But definitely, if it's still going anywhere near you and you're a Demon Slayer fan, you should see it. Alright, well, I don't have anything else to fucking say right now. Um, <laughs> when I do, I, I will notify you, but I will say uh, it's been interesting, you know, living this life and uh, revisiting a variety of material. Um, you know, you might have read in high school, you might read it in college, you might read it when you're older. The material itself technically never changes, but uh, where you are psychologically, mentally, spiritually, metaphysically, whatever, it grows and changes. So you you have a different sense of immersion in material. Uh, something that might not have interested you in the past may interest you now, and something that might have interested you in the past doesn't now. And some things traverse time with you. And it's interesting to understand your own rhythm as it relates to observing things, analyzing them, and then experiencing them. 
So, you know, it's interesting to watch and understand your own picadillos. Like your own capacity to view things and what you missed just because you thought you saw. Just some, that's something I notice uh, happening to myself. Is there's a tendency to overlook what we think we are conditioned to know. So because we think we know it or we think we've seen it, we're not actually looking at it and actually seeing it. So even the act of observation can evolve because you can remove your own subconscious mental blocks from observing something you may have negated and just opening yourself up to whatever the possibilities are. Anyway, Stack Daddy, I'm out. Thanks for the support from whoever's listening. However many of you there are, it doesn't matter. I appreciate it. You taking the time, and uh, I shall return. So back at it out. Yeah.